Good morning, Newtown Road. It is so good to be with you in your homes again this beautiful spring morning. Hold up in our houses for day 3,258 of quarantine. The isolation has started to have drastic effects on all of us. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but recently my willpower was ground down. So I was so weakened by the quarantine that I, I submitted and gave in to a small terror cell within my home and I bought a puppy. And I don't know if you heard that or not, but I'll keep you posted on how it's going. So far, so good. The point being, these are strange days indeed, and they are starting to have an effect on all of us. I cannot wait until we are no longer coming to your living rooms, but we're all gathered together again, and we're just praying for that uh, to happen sooner than later, but we'll keep you posted. Before we get started into our study this morning on the Bible, I just wanted to take a moment and just bring you um, a little bit of an update about what's been happening in our church over these last couple weeks. And, and basically, I just want to say this. I am so so, so proud of you guys for the way that you've been faithfully ministering to one another through this quarantine. I can't, I can't possibly tell you all the stories that I've heard about, about how you're reaching out to those in need, about how you're sacrificially giving to provide for your friends and your family, about how you're caring for neighbors, about how you're inviting friends to watch online. I, I know that my faith should have been stronger at the beginning of this, but I honestly can't believe how well our church family is doing through this coronavirus season. The body here at Newtown Road is strong and it's enduring and it's growing. And we're just thankful to God for what he's doing in our midst. And I wanted to also say that you're, you're giving your sacrificial giving has been stellar this last month. I know you don't need a pat on the back from me because this giving stuff is all, it's really just a matter of obedience between you and God. Uh, but I just want you to know that uh, our financial situation has stabilized over the past month. So for all of those, all those of you who are giving faithfully and cheerfully unto the Lord as he's led you, thank you for that, uh, for your obedience. Keep up the good work. And I'm proud of you for putting your faith into action, even in really uncertain times. But along those lines, we, you know, at the beginning of the year, we talked about the 20 fund. We challenged our church to give $20 extra each month above and beyond your normal giving so that we could give $20,000 away. As of last week, that fund totaled just about $10,000. And I mentioned that among the other organizations we're working with, the elders decided to take a portion of those funds and use them to bless families within our congregation who were dealing with unexpected needs due to this coronavirus uh, uh, pandemic. So over the past few weeks, we've been able to give $1,000 to the shelters of Saratoga along with food and medical supplies. And just this last week, we were able to bless multiple families in our church with gifts from that fund to help them in a time of need. I am so thankful that we have the opportunity to bless families and also that through your faithful giving, we actually have the funds on hand to do that. So thank you to all of you who are giving to the 20 fund. Good job. Keep up the good work. And if you're interested in giving to the 20 fund and giving extra above and beyond your normal giving, please consider donating. You can just select 20 fund from the drop down menu on our app or our website in order that we can continue to be a blessing to our church family during this time. Tyler's coming this morning to give us a couple announcements about some things that are going on in our church family. So I'll make him welcome. Hey guys, uh, thank you Pastor Matt. My name is Tyler. I am the Youth and Families Pastor for uh, this church and uh, let me extend my hand of welcome to you this morning. We're glad that you are here on social media engaging with our church and, uh, and growing in God's Word 
as a family. Uh, I just want to go over a couple things that are happening this week and a few uh, additional announcements. So. Uh, as I announced last week, check the comment section for our virtual communication card. If you are new and a first time guest, or if you've been here forever, uh, we would love to know that you are present with us today. Uh, so check that or click on that link and fill that out for us so we can know your family is a part of this service today. Um, also, our uh, family challenge Fridays have been going amazingly. And so I wanna thank you for participating in those and uh, being a part of that, for getting your family together and enjoying time uh, as a family on the weekends. I just wanna remind you that uh, this week's challenge has to be submitted by tonight at midnight. And so go for it today if you haven't already done that. And then also tonight at six o'clock is our student's Zooth group. That's right, you heard that right. Our Zoom youth group, six to 7.30, Zooth group. Uh, we meet together uh, as a big group and then break out into small groups. And we know that uh, our students have enjoyed it, our leaders have enjoyed it. We want you to be a part of it if you're between grades six and 12. And then uh, I just wanna remind you as Pastor Matt did, like. We, you have done an amazing job of giving and uh, it's been a blessing and inspiring for us as a church staff to, to sit back and watch what God does through your faithfulness. If you're interested in giving, you can go to our Church Center app or go online and uh, do it right there. So thanks and I'm going to hand it back over to Pastor Matt. Thank you. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, we are going to jump into Mark chapter 7 this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you want to open up to Mark chapter 7, and we're going to begin in verse 14, and we're going to read to 23. So 14 through 23 is our passage for our sermon this morning, as we have been working through the Gospel of Mark now for the last probably six months together, and it has been such a joy to study the Word of God together. So Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 14, and he called the people to him again and said to them, hear me, all of you. And understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters into his heart, or enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Let's offer a word of prayer before we begin. Father, we thank you for the gathering of your church in homes around the Capital District and, and beyond. We thank you for each one who is tuning in this morning, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would have free reign to move in our minds and our hearts. Help us to see from the, the pages of the scriptures the message that you would have for us this morning. Lord, I pray that our hard and, and sinful hearts would be softened and awakened and nurtured by the power of the gospel. 
and that you would speak to us about, um, about these deep matters of the soul. Speak to us about matters of sin. Speak to us about matters of the gospel. And I pray that we'd be faithful and courageous to follow all that you lead us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. As we begin this morning, it is a really good thing for us to remember that if we have any hope of arriving at a good understanding of this passage, we have to keep in mind that these verses that we just read are part of a bigger chapter where Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark, is is telling us a bigger story. And this chapter is part of a bigger book, the Gospel of Mark, all of which is being used by the Holy Spirit to reveal to us who Jesus is. So these things are all connected together. Last week, we saw that Jesus came after the religious crowd, the Pharisees and the scribes, for the way that they had prioritized the traditions of men over the commandments of God. And these verses today are a continuation of that discussion and of that rebuke from last week. And as such, they are provocative, they are inflammatory, and Jesus is intentionally raising in the crowd the awkward tension that's going on. This is so much fun. The first thing that I want to look at, I titled my, in in this portion in my notes, I titled it Shots Fired. Jesus is always good for a soundbite, isn't he? Something concise, something loaded with meaning, something that instantly confuses his disciples, comforts his faithful followers, and infuriates his enemies. He's like an NFL quarterback in that way, or your favorite political candidate. But it is consistent with his pattern of teaching in the parables. If you have ears to hear, let him hear. Or if you have ears of faith, then receive this word but not many do. So he does the same thing. He says, listen, listen up, everybody. Hear me now. Understand this. Apply your minds to grasping this thought. And this thought is such a countercultural idea, a very unpopular idea. He says, nothing that is outside of a man when entering into him makes him unclean. The problem with us is not that things outside of us find their way into us. Now remember, he's talking about, this passage is part of a bigger conversation where he talks about how the Pharisees had elevated the traditions of men over the commands of God in things like ceremonial washings and and the the washing of the the hands and the, the utensils, the cookware, the seats, and the traditions of men being elevated above Uh, the Word of God. Part of those traditions involved food laws. There was a lot of different things that they could eat and couldn't eat, and the Pharisees were very clear on that as well. Then Jesus, in this conversation where he says, the traditions of men, the food laws and these things that you're talking about, like washing your hands and the cookware and stuff, the traditions of men, right? he says, these things outside of you when entering you, don't actually make you unclean. He's, he's turning this whole thing on the right. What they thought was they had to clean themselves up so that nothing dirty would enter them and contaminate them. They thought they had to stay away from certain foods so that they didn't get into their bodies and make them unclean or impure or unpresentable. But Jesus says, no, there isn't anything outside of a person's body that when it enters the body makes that person unclean before God. See, the problem with us is not that things outside of us are working their way into us and polluting us. It just doesn't work that way. 
He says, you're not, you're not thinking about this in the right terms. It's not things outside of us that get into us that make us unclean or unholy or sinful. Instead, it's the complete opposite. It's the things inside of a man or woman's heart that work their way out of us. That's what makes a man unclean. That, or, or if we're going to be honest here, that doesn't necessarily make him unclean as much as it betrays the fact that he is unclean. It shows this, those things working out of us show how desperately lost we are and how hopelessly affected by sin our hearts really are. Now, this is a very clear, very intentional swing at the religious crowd. The Pharisees, who, who just rebuked Jesus last week for, for their, or I'm sorry, who Jesus just rebuked for their obsession with the ceremonial washing of hands and cookware. As if they would be polluted if dirty external things found their way into the bodies. And Jesus says, look, listen up, listen up. You guys have this backwards. Sin and uncleanness before God isn't something external that finds its way into you and pollutes you. On the contrary, sin, what makes you unclean before God, is something deeply rooted inside of you that works its way out of you in sinful actions, in sinful attitudes, and it bears witness to our inherent brokenness, the, the systemic uncleanness, the endemic rebellion of our hearts against God himself. Jesus, Jesus throws a grenade in the middle of this thing. Shots fired for sure. All right. The second second portion of this passage, I, I just put in my notes. Say what? <laughs> A private audience with the disciples, and and they're they're confused. Hey, Jesus, can you explain to us what you were just talking about? Because once again, these guys are struggling to to quite get it. Can you help us out with that? He says, and Jesus says, you you don't get it. In some of your versions, might say, are you so dull? These guys are, have to be testing Jesus' patience, right? Almost as if he's saying, really guys? Really, you too? You don't get it? So he, he gives the explanation. He says, listen guys, food and drink, the things that enter into your body, they aren't the things that defile you. Do you know why? Because the food and the drink that you, that you put into your body doesn't go to your heart. The food and drink you put in your body goes to your stomach and then it exits. It's expelled from your body. Now, I'm not trying to be too crude this morning, but this sounds like something that our middle school ministry would have a good time working with. Your food goes in one end, hits your stomach, and leaves the body through the other end. The food doesn't... Remember, food and, food and drink, the traditions of men, it's part of a bigger conversation. These, this food and the drink doesn't affect your heart. See, your heart is the seat of your emotions, according to this, the Bible. That's, that's the way that the Bible describes your heart. It's the, the um, essence of your will. It's, it's the seat of emotions. It's the, the, the cornerstone of your affections. Those things remain unaffected by the things that enter your body and leave your body. So here's what he's saying. Eating and drinking doesn't make you unclean or unholy. And the converse is also true. Abstaining from food or drink doesn't make you clean or holy. Did you hear that? 
eating and drinking things doesn't actually make you unclean before God. And staying away from them doesn't make you clean before God. It doesn't have that effect. It's not designed to do that. Food doesn't have that power. Drink doesn't have that power. The kingdom of God and our position as born-again disciples of Jesus isn't a matter of eating and drinking. That isn't the way sin and brokenness work. See, Mark even mentions that in this way, Jesus is declaring all foods clean. He actually repeals dietary restrictions because in his ministry, Jesus was the perfect fulfillment of the law. Acts chapter 10 tells a very similar story. Maybe you want to read that later this week of Peter learning the same lesson that God has declared freedom in terms of diet of food and drink. So the the disciples said, wait, you have to give us an explanation. What do you mean? And then Jesus says, I entitled this this portion of my, my notes. I just used the heading, the heart of the matter. So, okay, Matt, if that's true, if things outside working inside, if that's not what makes us unclean before God, if, if it or makes us unpresentable to God, then how does it work? Alistair Begg offered this quote in his treatment on this passage. He said, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. It is a commonly held but false view that our hearts are pure that our hearts are good, that our hearts pursue what is best and noble and most helpful. That that might be what, what conventional wisdom tells us, but that's not at all what the scriptures teach us about the heart of men. Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us a very different story, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Genesis 6-5 tells us that every imagination of the thoughts of the heart is only evil continually. Ecclesiastes 9-3 tells us that the heart of the sons of men is full of evil. And Jesus teaches us right here that our hearts are the real source of our uncleanness. For from, from within, from out of the heart, flow all the issues of our lives. That, isn't that why we're told in the Proverbs to guard our heart? For they are the wellspring of life. A pure heart produces purity in thought and deed and action. But a polluted heart produces pollution in thought and deed and action. You see, the issues of the heart, that's what defiles somebody. The things that come out of a person, not the things that we put in. Our words, our attitudes... The affections of our hearts, the things we love and the things we worship, our behaviors, these are the things that defile a person. These are the things that show a person's condemnation before God. Things that are sinful. And by the way, I'm using that word a lot today, and maybe you're tuning in and you're not quite sure what I mean. When I say sinful, for those of you who are wondering, I just mean things that are out of step, and out of sync with God's revealed will, his desires for us, his character, and his nature. The the sin that I'm talking about are things that fail to meet the perfect and holy standard of God. So, So I don't have the moral high ground here. I'm not talking about sin as though it's something that lives in somebody else and not in me. This is the indication or the description of all of humanity. That we find ourselves broken by this disease called sin where we are unable to match the perfect standard and righteousness of God. In fact, that's what Romans tells us. For all have sinned and fallen short of his glory. 
Okay, back to, back to verse 21 here. Sin is a deep-seated, heart-level problem. Sin is not something that resides outside of us that we need to carefully juke and dodge in hopes that we don't get any on us. No, sin finds its home within us and in that way lies at the root of all of my behaviors. And it produces in me all manner of rebellion and enmity against God. And it produces in me, within me also hatred and violence against my neighbor. It produces within me a self-focus that damages and pollutes my relationships. And then Jesus gives us a, an, an indication of the kinds of things that flow out of our heart. And J.C. Ryle actually said that the heart contains a black catalog of sin. And he starts with this evil thoughts. Out of, it, out of the heart flow evil thoughts as an apparent fountainhead. Like the proverb says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We're not going to hit each of these sinful patterns and behaviors in turn. But we'll just let the words of Jesus be to us the foundation of our view of our hearts. We need to make sure that when we think about the human heart and our hearts in particular, that we think about them in the proper terms. And we need to let the wisdom of God through the pages of the scripture form our convictions on this. And let's just read again in chapter 7 in verse 20. I'm sorry, verse 21. Um, What Jesus says. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Those things come from within us. Now that foolishness is an interesting one. Because sometimes we think of foolishness as as just a, a deficiency. Like I was ignorant, I didn't, I didn't know the answer, so I acted foolishly. That's not the way he's describing foolishness here. He's talking about the folly of Proverbs in the wisdom literature like Ecclesiastes. That, that's the, the, the foolishness of, that he's talking about is the spiritually insensitive person who lives apart from God and his, his leadership. And this person has no knowledge of God, nor does he have any desire to know about God. This is descriptive, not of a certain kind of person, but this is descriptive of all humanity apart from the grace of Jesus. Romans 1 verse 18 and following would be a great place for you to look for support for that. And Jesus says, these things, these things that come out of a person, they are, they're not the result of stuff coming in and polluting us. They're the stuff that bubbles up because our hearts are sick. You see, it's not the result of our environment. It's not the result of bad examples. It's not the result of a lack of, of technical knowledge and education. No, These are the natural habits and activities of hearts that are in rebellion against God because of sin. Hearts that haven't been transformed by His grace. Hearts that have not yet been quickened, haven't been made alive with Christ by the Spirit. Hearts that haven't been brought into peace with God the Father through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son. Guys, we are not unclean because of unclean things that we put into us. We are unclean because out of our unclean hearts 
flow all kinds of unclean actions and attitudes and behaviors. Okay, so what? What does this passage have to tell us today? It was kind of a depressing, depressing uh, message today. We're all hopeless and lost and our hearts are desperately wicked. There, there's hope here. Hold on, okay? Here are some things that I think God is revealing to us through the pages of the scriptures this morning. The first, I would say, is the absolute depth of our corruption. Or, if you'd allow me, the totality of our depravity. And what I mean by that is, we have to arrive at an understanding of sin that is based on the Bible's teaching. And the Bible teaches us that in our fallen natural state, apart from Jesus, we are desperately and hopelessly lost in sin, in rebellion against God, in, in, um, in a waging a war against Him. We are not okay with Him. We're not at peace with Him. We are lost and hopeless and helpless. And so deep is this problem that there is literally nothing that you and I can do to fix our condition or to bring change to the situation. The old reformers called this total depravity. That there's not a part of us, mind, will, affections, the work of our hands, the, the loves of our heart, there's not a part of us that hasn't been affected by the fall and by sin. And at one point, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament says that our hearts are dead. They have to be made alive. We are not, please hear me this morning, we're not relatively good people with pure hearts who are just misguided from time to time. No, we are instead people created in the image of God, but separated from Him because of sin and that war with Him. We are in, in, in rebellion against God and at enmity with Him because the very nature of our heart is sinful. It is twisted and distorted and our hearts are sick. And in this passage, we see that the heart is the source of sinful behaviors and attitudes and actions because the heart itself is sick. The heart is depraved and the corruption of our, of our souls resides deep, deep within us. The second thing we can see this morning is the absolute futility of religion. And I'm using religion here in the broader sense of the human structures and the systems that we lean on to make us right with God. Now, some of us come from religious backgrounds where we actually tried to do that. We looked at all of the regulations, all the traditions of men, all the, all the don't eat this, eat that, touch this, don't touch that, show up at this time, wear these clothes, stand up, say this thing, sit down. We looked at all the rules and we were hoping that by keeping all of the rules, we were making ourselves presentable to God. I'm using religion in those terms. Now you see, in our own wisdom, we have made many attempts to fix the brokenness of our hearts. We have decided to work to remedy the situation. And we have stayed clear of certain things. And we've made sure that we take part in others. And we've relied heavily on our own strength and our own self-disciplines. And we've done everything that we know how to do in order to make ourselves presentable to God, to make us better, to fix the sin problem. We've tried hard to do everything we can outside of us to clean up our, ourselves before God. But the Bible teaches us in this passage particularly, that all of the efforts that we have 
haven't actually cleaned anything. I know that's a provocative statement. I know that's a challenging statement for some of us who grew up in deeply religious communities. But it's one that needs to be considered today. The traditions of men, like the ceremonial washings of cups and plates and the dining couches, haven't cleansed anything substantial. The traditions of men and the food laws had no power to cleanse hearts. You see, our hearts aren't polluted and contaminated by sin on the outside getting into us. Our hearts are desperately and totally stained by sin, and religion isn't the answer. We are totally corrupt. Religion doesn't solve the corruption. And the third thing we can see, and I think this is exactly what Mark is trying to point out this morning. The third thing that we can see is the necessity of the gospel. Because we need a remedy that changes not our behavior. We need something that changes our hearts. We need something stronger than our hands. We need something purer than our good intentions. We need something more lasting and enduring than our fickle emotions. We need something stronger than our external religious activity. We need somebody to step in and clean us up, to make us new, to transform the very core of our lives in order for us to be acceptable to God. This is exactly what Mark is getting at. This is exactly what Jesus is getting at. Jesus is telling religious people, Basically, your religious activity doesn't cleanse your heart. I can. He's leading them to the end of their religious activity and showing them that that is a dead end. Some of you need to hear this today. Some of you have approached God, maybe within our congregation, maybe you're watching from home. Some of you are approaching God in that same way. You are trying with all your might to clean yourself up on the outside. So you're abstaining from some things, taking part in others. You're working really hard to make yourself presentable to God. And you know in, the heart, in your heart of hearts that it's not working. My friends, it was never designed to work that way. You don't have the power within you to make yourself clean and righteous before God. Titus tells us it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, it's according to the mercy of God that he saved us. I have good news for you. Jesus Christ came for that very reason. Jesus Christ came to earth because religious activity couldn't close the gap between sinful humanity and a holy God. Jesus came, the perfect son of God, to bridge that gap for us. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to offer his perfect life, his perfect unstained heart, the one that had no sin. He offered it as a sacrifice to cover the sins of the world. He was crucified, buried, and he rose again for our justification. We can be declared righteous or we can be declared clean and acceptable before God, presentable to him. We can be declared forgiven of our sins, not because of our works, but because of Jesus' precious blood. You see, you can't do anything to earn the free gift of God. It's too valuable. You don't have the right currency. You, can't, you, you certainly couldn't amass enough good deeds to, to fix that debt. Choosing to eat certain things and to not drink other things isn't enough to help. This is the gospel that we at Newtown Road have, have come to know and to cherish. And upon this good news, we have built our lives as we have seen God's power to cleanse our hearts 
and our minds and our consciences. And maybe today God would be speaking to you. Have you trusted Christ? Have you come to the end of your religious activity and realized that it didn't actually change your heart? That it didn't have the power to make you whole again? That it didn't have the power to forgive sin? That it didn't have the power to transform? Have you seen yourself as hopeless and helpless like we are? And if so, then turn today to Jesus Christ through faith. Turn away from those efforts to clean up yourself. It's not going to work. You know it doesn't work. We beat our heads against that rock for a long time. We all know it doesn't work. Turn away from those efforts and instead turn to Jesus. He has the power to change you. The heart of this passage here in Mark's gospel is that only Jesus, not religion, not the traditions of men, not strict dietary rules, not trying to hide from the sin that's outside, only Jesus and the beauty of his gospel can penetrate deep into the hearts of men and women and transform them from the inside out. Only Jesus can change a heart. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the great work of the gospel, that through Jesus Christ you were reconciling to yourself all manner of things in heaven and on earth, making peace by the blood of your cross. That men and women, boys and girls around the world who were separated from you and in rebellion against you can now be your children because of faith in Jesus Christ. God, I ask that you would today give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us think about the heart and sin in the appropriate ways. God, thank you that religion doesn't fix us. God, thank you that it only leads us to the end of our own abilities. And right there at the end of our abilities, we rejoice that you, a merciful Savior, are waiting for us. I pray for my friends today who are watching this and feel like they're at the end of their rope. I pray that they would realize the mercy of God in the face of Jesus Christ and turn to him for salvation. I pray for those of us who know you and are walking with you and trying to make sense of this world. I pray that we would think clearly about the heart. Think clearly about the things on the outside of us. Think clearly about traditions and the value that they bring. Lord, I pray that you'd make us a congregation with transformed lives because we have transformed hearts. Mobilize us to share this message with our friends and neighbors and loved ones. And God, continue to build your church on this wonderful proclamation that in Christ, old things can become new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Newtown Road, thank you so much for joining us today. But I told you last week that we had special surprises in store this morning. And maybe you're watching along at home going, wait, where where is the special surprise? So here it is. In just a moment, we're going to switch over from this feed to a live feed from our church sanctuary to hear a powerful testimony about the power of the gospel. And we're going to be able to witness a baptism this morning. And you don't want to miss this. So maybe, maybe you're watching and you're not part of our church family here in the Capital District and you're watching from somewhere else, you need to see this. Maybe you are local and you're just checking us out. Trust me, you don't want to miss this opportunity. We're about to see and hear in real time how Jesus did exactly what we just talked about. How he changed a heart. 
not through somebody's physical, white-knuckled response to the things of this world. No, he changed a person's heart through the power of the gospel. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to a Facebook Live feed. So if you're watching on YouTube, you need to log out of that and switch over to Facebook Live and make sure you switch there because we're going to start in just a couple minutes. We'll give you a couple minutes so you have time to switch over. We want to make sure as many people can be there as possible, and hopefully I will see you very, very soon. Thank you, New Tavro. Love you guys. See you later.